Also, would like to introduce our speaker for today. Uh, Pastor Ruthie is going to finish up our, our Wonder Series. And for those of you who don't know, Pastor Ruthie is our pastor of Central Ministries. So all the ministries that go across campuses, Pastor Ruthie oversees those. And also our Next Gen Ministry to Children and Students. And she has become a faithful, highly re regarded leader who also carried our women's ministry this fall as well. So thank you, Ruthie, for your work. So good morning, Grace Chapel. Good morning to our campuses and GC at night. Sorry I'm not there. I'm driving to Jersey. Um, and uh, also anyone that's watching online, we're really delighted you tuned in today. So during this Advent season, we were exploring this theme of wonder. Pastor Adam asked us a few weeks ago whether we've maybe just lost the ability to wonder. Pastor Brian, the next week, asked the question, where is the wonder when life isn't wonderful? We saw wonder in the first person dramatic story of a shepherd, and then last Sunday morning in the eyes and the smiles and the hearts of our children and our students and even our shine buddies. On Christmas Eve, we came together to rejoice that the wonder that is the Christ child had entered the world, and today, we'll read how wonder was on the run when the holy family was told to flee to Egypt. Now, interestingly, I discovered that a literal translation of the word for flee or escape was the phrase, to take safety in flight. Now, I'm sorry, but that seems a bit of an oxymoron to me. People try to tell me that flying today is safer than driving. Fine, you go ahead and believe that. Let me tell you about my flying anxieties. I do not walk into the airport without Dramamine in my bag and a roll of Tums in my pocket. I load my iPad with games so that I can keep my mind off of the fact that I have no clue how this incredibly heavy chunk of metal stays up in the air. Don't try to explain the physics to me. I'm sure it has something to do with force and thrust Frankly, I just have to admit, I resonate with the old saying, if God meant for us to fly, he would have given us wings. Thank you very much. So let me now tell you about my boarding routine. I stay in my chair waiting patiently for them to call my row or section. I have my boarding pass out just the way they like it. I smile at the ticket agents, thank them, wish them a good day, and take a deep breath walking down the jetway. As I pass through the opening of the plane, I actually pause and just ever so slightly place my hand on the side of the plane and feel for one of the rivets. Yes, I am laying my hands on the plane and praying that every rivet stays where it's supposed to be and the plane stays in one piece. I step onto the plane and carefully look at the flight attendants, listening to see if their conversations are lighthearted or if are they expressing some concern. I take a quick glance into the cockpit, smile and pretend I'm so happy to be there. I find my seat usually on the aisle. I like the aisle because then I can lean out and look at the flight attendants because my level of anxiety is fairly predictable depending on their level of peace and comfort. If that starts to go down, mine starts to go up. Then comes the fun part, the actual flight. 
Before I even get my seatbelt buckled, I've adjusted the little fan above my head to blow cool air onto my face. For besides my irrational fear of the plane going down, I have a horrible fear of throwing up in public. So I need the air blowing on my face so I can take deep breaths. Frankly, I get so worried about getting sick to my stomach that I worry myself into a stomachache. The seatbelt is buckled, the engines begin to roar, and the flight attendants do their thing in the aisles. I love it when they kind of make little jokes. It, it eases my anxiety. It reminds me that some people actually like flying and do it every day. In fact, this is one of the mind games I play with myself. I get so, um, so that I remind myself that the flights take off and land every single day safely all over the world. And then I start praying. I pray for the air traffic controllers, thinking of every major city that we'll be flying over as they transfer us, for the pilots, for the mechanics who worked on the plane. I used to pray for the navigators, but now I pray for the computer technicians. I, take, I lean back and take a deep breath as we accelerate down the runway. I pray for a smooth flight, no turbulence, and I promise God that I will give him all the honor and the glory and the praise when we land safely. My favorite part of flying is right after touchdown when we just taxi to the terminal. I feel this sense of relief flood over me. I indeed say a prayer of thank you, Jesus. And then begin thinking about how much time I have to prepare to make my connecting flight and do this all over again. <laughs> now I'd like to tell you it's really not that bad. As I read this to my husband, he, I got to that sentence and he burst out laughing. Um, yeah, my kids totally make fun of me. So when I read the text for today and saw the word for escape or flee could also be translated to take safety in flight, I couldn't resist drawing the parallel. For me, flight and safety do not necessarily go together. But for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, taking flight was the safest thing for them to do. With very little warning, they had become seekers of refuge. Let's review the events that led up to Joseph and Mary's flight to Egypt. After Jesus was born, magi, learned men who studied the stars, came to Jerusalem and asked where the child was who'd been born king of the Jews. And when King Herod heard this, he was concerned. He called the chief priests and teachers of the law to give him information as to who these wise men were looking for. The response was a reading from the prophet Micah who had written that out of Bethlehem would come a ruler. So King Herod sends the Magi to Bethlehem and asks that they please come back and report to him where they find the child so he too can go and worship this new king. Yeah, right. At any rate, the Magi find Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And in wonder, they bow their knees to the infant king. They present him gifts, gold, definitely fitting for a king, frankincense and incense that was used in worship of God, and myrrh, an embalming spice for a dead body, foreshadowing that this child would give himself as a sacrifice for many. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi returned to their homeland by another route. How that dream must have made them wonder. Who is this infant king? 
Why should they not go back and tell King Herod? Might they be in danger? They followed the warning just as they'd followed the star. And so we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. When they, the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape. Take safety in flight. To Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. How much time did Joseph have to make plans for this flight to Egypt? He had none. The threat was very real. Danger was imminent. They had no time to pack up a lot of things. They were refugees fleeing for safety. Seekers of refuge wonder, where can we go? They left the little town of Bethlehem that had unknowingly housed this special family. Certainly interesting things had happened. Shepherds came in from their fields with their sheep. Wise men from another country came with these gifts. A star had settled over their home for a period of time. But how much did the local population really understand what had happened in their midst? And unfortunately, this quiet town was about to pay a very dear price just for being Bethlehem. Herod was a ruthless and violent ruler. He did not like the fact that those stargazers had indicated that someone else was born who would be king of the Jews. He did not want anyone growing up who would rival his authority. So when the wise men did not return with news of the exact location of this one child, he sent word to slaughter all the male children under two. Continue with me in verse 16. When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they were no more. Apparently this kind of action was not unheard of. This kind of violent behavior was normative for Herod. And what sadness there must have been in that town when mothers and fathers had to bury their young children, innocent children and their families, paid such a price for a ruthless dictator's hatred and insecurity. We will never understand why God allows such horrific events to happen. But I believe that Jesus weeps when such atrocities occur. It is all part of the brokenness of our world and the quest of the evil one to destroy all that is good. We feel helpless. We feel powerless, and sometimes it can make us want to run away. Seekers of refuge wonder, when will it get better? Jesus' entrance in the world was not without its consequences. 
His mother ran the risk of being stoned to death for her apparent infidelity to the man to whom she was promised in marriage. And now his earthly family was on the run for their lives. They had to leave their home and go to a foreign country. Wonder was on the run. They were true refugees, not unlike those who have fled violence and famine, injustice and persecution in many parts of the world today and sadly, even at our own borders. Seekers of refuge wonder, what's next? According to a report from the United Nations, the world is witnessing the highest levels of displacement on record. An unprecedented 70.8 million people around the world have been forced from their homes by conflict and persecution. Among them are nearly 30 million refugees, over half of whom under the age of 18. Our Christmas season special offering was designed for just this purpose. World Relief is one of our global partners in ministry and is serving the men, women, and children on both sides of the Mexican-U.S. border. Putting politics aside, our partners are ministering to the physical, emotional, and legal needs of widows and orphans and seekers of refuge. Seekers of refuge wonder, who cares? Jesus he who was once himself a refugee said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Another definition for refugee I found is this. A person running from something or someone or toward something or someone. In some ways, by that definition, each of us has been or will be a seeker of refuge. At one time or another in our lives, we too may have been running from something or someone or toward something or someone. But the good news, my friends, is that as followers of the wonder, followers of the Christ child, we don't have to wonder where we can go, when will it get better, what's next, or who cares. We are actually invited to follow the wonder for the wonder is on the run with us. From what do you seek refuge? Are you running from family issues or broken relationships that may have resurfaced during this Christmas time? Follow the wonder. Find refuge in restoration and reconciliation. Do you seek refuge from a job and wonder if it's time to move on? Follow the wonder and find refuge in knowing that God who has called you and gifted you wants you to flourish and be fulfilled. Have you been trying to escape the pressures you feel from other people's expectations of you, your friends, your parents, your children, your teachers, coaches, or supervisors? Follow the wonder and find refuge in the presence of the one who created you, accepts you, and loves you for who you are. And are you ever tempted, as I sometimes am, to seek safety in flight from the problems in the world we see every evening on the news? Feeling overwhelmed that there's nothing you can do to feed the hungry, care for the homeless, or shelter the refugee. After all, you're only one person. But perhaps, if we 
link arms together to follow the wonder, we together can be the hands and feet of Jesus in caring for the lost, the last and the least. Our Lexington Tuesday morning and evening women's groups recently did just that as they held their end of semester gatherings before Christmas. As I've been walking alongside these women since the departure of our former pastor Cheryl in September, I've been amazed at their dedication and their passion to study the word of God. Working with a small interim leadership team, I learned that there's been a tradition of offering a blessing gift at these Christmas time gatherings. Usually a local or regional partner or a grassroots ministry is chosen to be the recipient. This year, they chose the grassroots ministry called Home for Good, which gives support to families impacted by adoption, kinship, or fostering homes. The blessing gifts were 27 rolling duffel bags filled with items that representatives from the Department of Children and Families recommended. Home for Good is actually seeking to work in partnership with DCF and a Christian organization called Fostering Hope, helping to cast a vision for more fostering homes. A woman came and spoke to us at our evening groups. She's from Lexington. She's the only fostering family in Lexington. The only one. The duffel bags are gonna come in very handy when a child suddenly needs a home. What often happens is the social workers will come and they'll hand the child a garbage bag and say, fill it with whatever you can, we have to go. In a very real sense, these children are just like the Christ child, it's instantly a refugee. Boys and girls seeking refuge with a different sense of wonder than the children we saw in our bumper videos throughout Advent and even today. They are truly running from something and not sure if they're running toward anything. Their sense of wonder is more about where can I go? When will it get better? What's next and who cares? Their wonder is a mixture of fear, sadness, even dread, rather than the wonder of hopeful expectations. They are seekers of refuge who do not know to follow the wonder that ends in the loving arms of a God who knows them by name and loves them completely. Jesus was taken suddenly in the night. With Mary and Joseph, wonder was on the run. He was living in a foreign land and a different culture for an unknown length of time. And even when they were directed by God that it was safe to return, they had to move to another part of their homeland to remain as obscure and unnoticed as possible from the leadership of the son of Herod. Continuing in chapter two, we read, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. 
Now there's little that we know about Jesus growing up years, but we know that Joseph, his adoptive father, was committed to keeping him safe until the time was right for Jesus to make himself known. Friends, even though the Messiah has come, even though Jesus was born, lived, died, was resurrected back to life, ascended into heaven, and reigns in power at the right hand of the Father, the world continues to be at war with itself. Countries continue to take up arms against one another. Soldiers continue to die in the line of duty. Enemies and discord still exist, and not only among nations, but among people groups, races, communities, neighborhoods, and families. Children and young people are still at risk. Whole families are seeking refuge, just like Mary and Joseph and Jesus. How do you think Mary felt over this one to two year period? She was around 14 when Gabriel told her she would become pregnant with the son of the Most High God. She seeks refuge in the home of her relative Elizabeth and receives confirmation and encouragement that what she's been told is indeed from God. She runs back to Joseph wondering what his reaction will be only to find he has received a similar message and is ready to accept the child as his own. She finds refuge in his home as his betrothed. Together they run to Bethlehem for the census. They seek refuge in a stable. They receive strange visitors from all walks of life, shepherds from the fields and magi from the east. But then they have to run away quickly, run away from Herod and seek refuge in Egypt, only to return and find it not safe in their hometown. And so they seek refuge in Nazareth. All the while, Mary ponders what has been told her. She holds all that has happened deep in her heart. Mary wonders. Have you rediscovered wonder this Christmas season? The wonder that is the child who was born, whose shepherds came to find, and before whom magi bowed their knees? He is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wonder is no longer on the run. Wonder is with you, with me, with all seekers of refuge. Thanks be to God. I'd like to close our time today with a prayer. I'm sharing an adaptation of a prayer that I had heard a number of years ago. So I invite you to join me by following along on the screens responsively. Let's pray together. Loving God, you have created us for life together and placed in our midst children, youth, and adults who are symbols of both hope and vulnerability. Hear our prayers for all your children to sustain their hope and joy. Hear us as we pray for the precious gift of life. We pray for children. And we pray for those who stare. 
women. We pray for boys and girls who bring us sticky kisses and fistfuls of dandelions, who sleep with the dog and bury goldfish, who hug us in a hurry and forget their lunch money, who cover themselves with band-aids and sing off key, who squeeze toothpaste all over the sink. Men, we pray for those. And we pray for youth who spend And we pray for those under 55 years of age. (laughs) Ready? We pray for adults. and all my friends and contemporaries. We pray for those who finish college in so much debt they have to move home, who fear the state of our planet, who need to work multiple jobs just to make ends meet, who are sandwiched between caring for parents and caring for children, who have been forced to flee from their homes. Men. Women, we pray for our children, for all God's children, young and old, for childhood's dreams and nightmares, for adulthood's visions and realities. In each child of God, let us behold anew your promise of creation. Sustain these little and not so little ones. By your grace, may they live lives for which they were created, fearfully and wonderfully. May they find refuge in the wonder of who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's children said, amen, amen and amen.